Welcome to the Lazy Women's Making It in Western Europe series, where we take you through the personal stories of young Eastern European women and their quest for defining the meaning of identity and belonging. In episode two, I'm speaking to Dorina. She's originally from Hungary, but currently working as a social worker in Vienna, in Austria. Originally, I expected our conversation to mostly revolve the political situation in Hungary and what drove her away in the first place, because for me, she's someone who is very actively involved in uh, feminism and also gender studies, which is quite difficult to be active in in the country. But apart from these things, we also discussed the role of language, uh, gratitude versus homesickness, and the importance of national diasporas while living abroad. So I hope that you enjoy listening to it just like I did recording it. Hello everyone, this is Lucy. Welcome back to episode two of Making It in Western Europe, our new podcast series. Today I'm joined by Dorina. Uh, Dorina comes from Hungary, but is currently based in Austria, in Vienna. And I'm really excited to discuss her life story and her experience of moving around Europe today. So hello, Dorina. It's uh, really lovely to have you with us today. And Maybe as a form of um, introduction, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? What exactly are you doing in Vienna? Um, how did you get there, etc.? Yeah, thank you, Lucy. And hello, everyone. So yeah, like my name is Dorina and I am from Hungary. I live in Vienna since 2021 uh, when I moved there for uh, a job, basically. Uh, before that, I already graduated in an Austrian university. And uh, yeah, right now I am a social worker in part-time, part-time student at the University of Vienna. And another part-time I'm doing is at Lazy Women, which I really like. Oh, yes. I forgot to mention that Dorina is our amazing community manager. So if any of you follow Lazy Women and have joined any of our community events, it's mostly Dorina's doing. So we're incredibly grateful to have her as part of the team because she's amazing. Um. I wanted to actually focus a bit more on your backstory now. I found it really intriguing that you said that you already studied at a university in Austria. I think you did your bachelor's degree there, right? Would you like telling us a bit more about how did this all come to be? How did you get where you are right now? How did you move to Austria? What brought you there? I think you also told me at some point um, in the past that you actually grew up near the Austrian border. So Austria has always been this sort of neighbor um, next door. So I'm really curious how it has been, you know, to be growing up next to the country that you eventually decide to move into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so in Hungary, it is a thing, most of all at the western part of Hungary, that you pick up the German language as first uh, foreign language. So I just started learning German already with uh, eight years old. And yeah, I I moved on with the high school where we were taught bilingual, uh, where we had like already some subjects in German. So it was like obvious that uh, I want to go abroad to study further. Most of my classmates went uh, to Austria or Germany as well. Maybe another factor other than language skills is that uh, it is a well-known fact in Hungary that the education system doesn't really work well. 
And uh, if you want to make it, then you need to find somewhere else. And the easiest choice is that you go to Austria because it's really close. And uh, if you don't want to leave your family behind, it's like a really good compromise. I actually wanted to ask, uh, do you have some other relations to Austria, perhaps from when you were growing up? Have any of your family members or other relatives worked there in the past? Uh, you also mentioned that a lot of your friends went to Germany and some of them to Austria as well. So yeah, what was uh, what was this relationship like? You know, Did you already know you were going to leave Hungary at some point when you were younger, when you were little? Like, was this somehow ingrained you know, in you since you were growing up or was it a more spontaneous uh, decision? Uh, yeah, so a few of my relatives are also working in Austria right now as well. My dad used to work in Austria. Many of my friends from my hometown are working in Austria. So it's like a thing there, like I'm really, really close. I want to emphasize that I'm like one hour from Vienna and half an hour from the border. Yeah, we also went there for shopping because funnily, some products are cheaper in Austria than in Hungary, which is a little bit crazy in my opinion. Yeah, so so it's like there is this really present connection between Austria and Hungary in this way. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I completely, completely see that. Um... Growing up in the Czech Republic, uh, half an hour from the Polish border, actually, I know that a lot of people uh, go to Poland for shopping, or at least they used to. And the same, you know, in the, in the Bohemian part of the country, uh, going to Germany or in Moravia, going to Austria, because, yeah, it's true. I mean, the prices are cheaper. And at the same time, the quality of products is often better as well, which I find quite, quite crazy. But Apart from uh, proximity, were there any other reasons why you were thinking about leaving Hungary? You know, you spoke about the educational system, but what about the political system? I mean, you study gender studies at a university and generally you're quite involved in various feminist spaces and feminist content. So how has that been for you? Like, do you think it would be fine for you to focus on these topics uh, there in Hungary or Did you feel like you would actually have much more of a wider playing field if you did it from abroad or something? Um, I don't know what was uh, what was your experience and you know this process of decision making. So when I left the country, these factors didn't play a role really because my bachelor degree is in uh, business, so it's like a whole other direction. But yeah, there are political reasons why I left and. Uh, As I, as I mentioned, that the education system is not really ideal for us. Other than that, when I left, that was the year of 2018, where there was this really big loss of the election by the opposition. That was my first election when I could vote, basically. And uh, I was really like, I was really hoping that something would change because already with uh, 19 or 20 years old, I was like fed up with the system already. Yeah, as for my uh, current areas of interest, I have the goal to go back with my so-called knowledge to, to make it use somehow. Uh, but 
Yeah, so if some of the listeners don't know, gender studies is forbidden in Hungary. It's, it isn't taught there uh, since, I don't know, since 2021 or something like that. So it would have been like impossible to, to learn this in my home country. And it's really sad. <laughs> Yeah, I can uh, I can imagine the inability, you know, of studying or working in the field that you want to in your in your own home. It is it's really limiting and I I think it's extremely sad that this is still happening like even in Europe unfortunately, but this is the situation we are in right now. Um now I wanted to maybe focus more on the logistical part of the move, you know, of um Basically, how did you manage to establish your life in Austria in this completely new country in many respects? I don't know. Have there been any difficulties, issues, challenges that you encountered on the way, be it just, you know, just from the fact that you were in a new country or maybe somehow influenced also by your regional background, for instance? Did you feel welcome or, you know, were there some other issues you would like to speak about when it comes to this move? I also know that there's obviously a big difference of moving from a countryside area, from a rural area to a capital city, especially if the capital is located in a different country with different sort of cultural traditions and historical traditions. So maybe you could explore this a little bit more as well if you if you wanted to. Yeah, so when I first moved to Vienna, it wasn't actually the capital city it was a small town near to the border so that was where i studied uh, for my bachelor degree so that wasn't that big of a change as for the as for the town or or the yeah um the first difficulty that comes to my mind is uh, the language barrier uh, that was really like really my very first experience there when I went there for my application process uh, to Eisenstadt and I was just uh, standing in the corridor and listening to like other applicants and I couldn't catch a word from that and uh, it made me realize that yeah, I, I had already liked the a language exam on the level of C1 in German back then. So I was wondering, like, how can I use my language skills if, if I cannot understand the local young people like in my age? And yeah, right now I can see that what you learn in school is not really what you use in your everyday life. Uh, that's also true for English, in my opinion. Another difficulty or another layer of difficulty here is that uh, we learn in school the so-called High German, the Hochdeutsch, and what people speak in Austria is a little bit different from that. Uh, there are a lot of dialects, which is really great, but for foreigners, it's it's really like a challenge. <laughs> uh, so I needed to accommodate on these like difficulties, like sometimes i just needed like a couple of uh, classes until i i get used to the dialect of the professor for example and uh, yeah it wasn't the same for someone who who spoke the native language 
I can uh, I can imagine the issues like the local jargon, you know, especially when it comes to the influence on language also by social media and everything else. Like for me, it was actually similar in Italy, for instance. I feel like, yeah, I understand pretty well, but mostly like 50-year-olds, uh, you know, that's, uh, they're all right, the pensioners are great, but when it comes to the 20-year-olds or the teenagers, no, I have no idea what they're actually talking about. So yeah, I can completely, completely see that. Um, how was your experience in terms of maybe the logistics, you know, of actually trying to get integrated into, into the country? Were you trying to set yourself up there long term or did you feel like you would immediately move back, you know, after your bachelor degree? So you perhaps didn't really try to get rooted uh, so much in Austria and perhaps like in general, what were the perks and uh, challenges uh, in this process? Mm. Yeah, I think like if I can speak for myself, I with twenty something year old, like in my early twenties, I was I had not a clue what I want to do. So I just went with the flow. Um so I, I didn't really know what I will do after the university. It was already a big decision for me to go abroad. It's really not it's really not a useful thing to do in my family, for example. So I, I, I didn't have these like examples or stories from my parents, for example, how is it to, to live abroad? I, I just, I, I had to experience that myself and explore what I need to do, what papers I had to fill in. Um, who I need to talk to before I do anything or something like that. So it was already a challenge without a social network to, to find your way in a, in a foreign country. Of course, it also belongs to the truth that uh, there are many, many Hungarians uh, in Austria. Also where I studied first, it, it's a really big base of the Hungarian community in Austria. But still, there is this. There are these barriers which uh, one needs to overcome. I don't know with the integration part. Uh, I still don't feel like I, I am integrated enough. Of course, I have like better chances right now. I learn some Austrian dialects. I speak the language better. Uh, I knew I know how people act in some situations and what I need to do if I don't want to be like visibly not from there. But still, I I don't really feel at home. And at this point, I I realized that maybe I never will. Uh, it's it's a hard realization. So. Where I am at right now is that um, I finished my university and I work further, but uh, afterwards I will seriously consider moving back to Hungary. I actually wanted to ask you, you were saying that when you were trying to get integrated or to find out, you know, what the rules of the new country were, you were mostly falling back on the Hungarian diaspora for support. Usually from my experience or from some other people's experience with whom I was speaking, 
for them, the main uh, support network were actually the other foreigners, so not necessarily, you know, the same nationality. So I wanted to maybe see how was your experience in this respect, like with basically trying to sort of create some kind of relationships uh, with these other foreigners, if you considered them to be your support network or if you, so maybe some other issues also within the sort of general foreigners uh, community or this general migrant community. I don't know, like trying to perhaps compete about who is going to become the most uh, Austrian, the most integrated, or I don't know, the most fluent in the language or perhaps some other sort of competitiveness that I don't know. I don't really know what was uh, your experience. So we could maybe discuss that a little bit more as well. Okay. So this tendency you mentioned, I already saw in my university in the dormitory. So there were like two groups of people, the Austrians and the foreigners, and we didn't really mix. So it, it was really strange, I, I think. Uh, I don't know if it's like that in other countries, maybe it is. But uh, I uh, saw that uh, continuing my journey in Vienna as well. And uh, surprisingly, I've heard that same experience from German people, like people from Germany, uh, who also couldn't really integrate, who couldn't really find like friends from Austria, uh, but uh, are leaning on other foreigners or other Germans. So. I don't, I don't know, maybe the sense of familiarity is playing a lot role here because for me it's, it's also like so much easier to talk to someone who is Hungarian naturally. So sometimes maybe I am also like uh, depending on that more than being open for new experiences, new people, other culture, cultures, etc. Yeah, I think it's an uh, interesting question because, for instance, from what I could experience in Italy is that a lot of students come here only for a short period of time. And I think for the locals, it's often quite a big thing to like open themselves up to all of these new people who will then leave quite shortly after maybe a few months or one year, especially, you know, if that place is a big uh, Erasmus destination or an exchange studies destination. So I believe that for them, it's perhaps sometimes more natural to sort of, you know, get more tribalistic and uh, protective because they know that those are the people that they can count with uh, long term and basically in the future as well, while a lot of us are sort of uh, moving about a lot more. But yeah, I can also see the experience of basically falling on the support network of the diaspora, which uh, speaks your language already, has the same values often or some cultural traditions. Especially if you actually didn't move that far in a way. You said you're like, what, an um, hour by train from your hometown, right? Which for, I don't know, others who might have um, moved to a different continent or generally much further, this is not really the case anymore because we do lose all of these ties and support networks and literally have to start from scratch while getting settled down. So this is not necessarily an option. Um, Maybe one more question in this respect is the difference between living in the countryside and a big city. Like, did you have any difficulties, you know, coming to the capital in terms of, I don't know, trying to navigate how to behave, you know, accepting the new cultural codes, how to exist uh, in this new situation? 
I'm asking because, for instance, for me, um, I'm from an industrial, very heavily industrial city. And when I went to university, even though it was within the same country, I had this almost a, a, a cultural shock, I guess, um, or a class shock, actually. Sometimes, you know, not knowing what people were speaking about or just felt like I lacked some kind of cultural knowledge, um, be it, I don't know, some names of composers, etc. And this doesn't even, you know, cover possible material difficulties. So, yeah, how was uh, your experience? Mm, yeah, I, I definitely can see what what you're asking. Um, I think it did play a part uh, where I'm from, but most of like, I can see the factor of classism more than my rural background because when I moved to Vienna, I already had like a couple of experiences living in a city. Like I spent half a year in Krakow before, also in Budapest. The size of the city wasn't really challenging. Like, yeah, I got lost a couple of times, but um, it, it was not really different. But yeah, I, I'm just thinking because what you mentioned that not knowing some composers or some like famous people or something, I didn't really experience that. And the reason for that is that I don't really have friends from Austria. It's really strange, you know, like uh, when you are somewhere and, and all of your friends or most of your friends are from Hungary and with Hungarian people, I don't have this, uh, I don't have this feeling that, uh, yeah, they are talking about something I don't really haven't really heard of or something because yeah many of them are also from a rural town or or village so it's not really that different but when I was in Budapest for example I felt this distinction between being from a village and uh, someone being from uh, the capital so that is uh, that is really there hmm I think I think that's uh that's a really big topic the whole thing of just not being able in a way to make local friends and to sort of break through these pre-established uh, social bubbles. And I suppose that brings us to the question of home. I mean, you said that you don't really feel at home in Austria, despite being there for, I don't know how many, for five, six years, right? So do you want to um, perhaps tell me more about this? Like, how are you navigating this situation of, you know, being in one country but at the same time knowing that you want to try to leave and go back to where you grew up and just generally this tension that the country you want to return to might not be as inviting or as friendly as you would like it to be i don't know mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's really confusing to feel this way it's not really long that i know i will move back actually it's like i think i i told of moving back was like last year or, or before that uh, so it was not really that long there are a lot of conflicting feelings here because i feel like i have like two ways of going forward in my life and uh, when i needed to choose between the two and i'm still choosing because i'm still here you know i still want to move back but it's not like settled or something so one way is that I am, so to say, selfish and I just focus on my own interest and my own future life, what I want to create for myself 
and uh, see how it works. And if I would, um, if I would prioritize that, then I would definitely stay in Austria because many of the life conditions are so much better here. Like significantly, you can feel that it is better than in Hungary. And I'm talking from a place of privilege as well. But the other way is that how important is my roots for me? How important it is my identity as a Hungarian woman? Is there any love for my country at all? And uh, do I want to leave my family? Which is right now not really the case, but it is somehow. Because when I'm not in Hungary, I'm I'm not participating in the life of Hungary and I'm not influencing what's going on in the country. And right now, and maybe it's stupid, but I have this inner purpose, what I'm feeling in myself, that I want to do something for my people there. I still have many friends who, li who are living in Hungary and family members who want to make their fortune there or, or just live like a, a comfortable life. And that is also in danger right now, in my opinion. So like somehow I, I feel like I need to do something and it feels more important than just uh, concentrating on my own goals. Yeah, I think like some other people I've been speaking to, often there is um, this tension between, you know, like your national identity or if you even identify the country you grew up in as part of your identity or if it's just something, you know, you sort of might be proud of or feel like it's enriching you, but it's not necessarily something that defines you. And a lot of people would, you know, sometimes prefer to be perceived as a European or international or as a global citizen or however it's called uh, these days, citizens of the world. So I guess in your case, you feel like your Hungarian identity is much more prevalent over this sort of more European identity, right? If I, if I understood it correctly, or is it more about regional identity for you, you know, do you feel more Central Eastern European or how would you, how would you define yourself uh, for yourself? I guess, if this is something you would want to reflect on. Yeah, it's a really exciting question and I was thinking about it a lot. Um, yeah, I just realized by preparing for this conversation that it is actually important how I was brought up and what I heard as a child. It, it sounds banal, but <laughs> because uh, as someone uh, from a rural background, I think there is this Hungarian identity more important than for someone in Budapest or for someone in a bigger city because you don't get to travel that much. You don't get to meet people from other cultures that much. It's not really diverse at all, basically, in, in a village. So I grew up like hearing really, really strong uh, emotions towards Hungarianness. Most of all, the love for the language, which I can really feel right now as well. Like it's 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 such a it's such a big emotion when you need to speak in another language like all day. 
and one moment someone from Hungary is there and you can actually say what you want and how you want to say it and it's not like this confusion is not there and not finding the words is not there and you you can describe what you what you are thinking the exact same uh form you want to so yeah this this like really integral love for the language is already in myself and uh, i also was practicing a lot of like uh, folklore dances songs so yeah mo most of my childhood i i was hearing that hungarianness around me yeah it didn't it had an impact uh, on me yes <laughs> and right now east eastern europeanness is also becoming more and more prevalent for me especially in my uh, studies at the university where we talk about like colonialism and etc and i i see that the question of eastern europe is not really there and i feel the lack of it in many discussions not only in this so yeah this other identity are forming as well as for europeanness i have this really paradoxical idea of europeanness and uh, Hungarian propaganda plays a big part in this because from the government you can hear in Hungary that the European standards are ruining our lives and culture and uh, we don't need them there. Like Western Europe is like this terrible monster in the eyes of those people or, or they just say that. Uh, on the other side, from the opposition part, you can hear Europeanness is this big wonder, and uh, it's it's something to follow. It's an example. Uh, Western countries are role models for our country, and both of them feel so far away. What I'm experiencing, like it, it doesn't take into account what we are and and how we are acting in our country and and what is the situation it's really like far from the reality for most of the people i i feel like that so i i have these feelings towards europeanness and i i couldn't really come to any conclusions for that yeah i feel like you know identity and national identity are just such an ever-evolving thing basically changing all the time so I think it's completely normal that you don't have a definite answer because I don't think that you ever will um, but I think what you said about language basically being the main principle of what home is for you like you feel your home is in a way sort of traveling with you through language and I think that's a really beautiful notion and something I suppose that a lot of people experience and uh, can relate to Especially when you travel and suddenly you hear, you know, your native uh, language spoken somewhere, you're like, oh, kindred, uh, kindred spirits. Um, I think that can be a really beautiful, beautiful experience. And I completely agree with you, actually, in terms of whenever I study uh, articles, you know, from literature on uh, decolonization or just like intersectional feminism and other things, I do really feel this um, 
massive lack of Eastern European voices uh, from the debates because they are usually just lumped under the same Western lens, even though the region obviously has such a distinct regional historical experience and generational trauma for many reasons as well. And also its uh, own colonial experience, of course. And, and I'm really hoping that even this podcast is actually going to try to try to shed some light on this and uh, bring these voices back to the main public debate and uh, public sphere when it comes uh, to these issues. And yeah, I really hope that we'll help with that at least, uh, at least slightly. Um, I think we could move on to another question now, and that is the impact of uh, living abroad on you and your life. So I wanted to see what are you taking, uh, you know, out of this uh, experience? How did it either enrich and affect you or challenge your life and your conception of home, relationship with your roots, or just like general uh, relationship to the wider region? If there's anything else apart from what we've uh, already discussed that you would like to bring in? Yeah, so being able to move abroad and live there and study there is a really big privilege and it's really had an impact on my life and I'm really thankful for it that I could afford to do that. Not only being in Austria, but having to spend time in Poland, for example, was also a really like life-changing thing for me. And uh, I could travel to Brussels as well with my university program. So I, I did experience a lot of diversity around me, having to welcome the foreign students in my dormitory as well. So it really taught me a lot about other cultures and yeah, it was really so so new for me because, as I said, I I grew up in a really like a homogene area, and I'm really thankful for it. But yeah, like funnily enough, it is just strengthened my my belonging to to my roots, to Hungary, to my family, to Eastern Europe, and yeah, it's it's really strange. For example, what I'm telling people all the time when I'm talking about my uh, difficulties in Austria is that uh, when I lived in Poland, although it was like a really difficult time of my life because it was in 2020 when uh, the COVID uh, came to life, but I felt more home there still for the six months, still for being in lockdown and just going out in some places or, or yeah, like that. And uh, it's really, it's really surprising for me. And this realization to come, to come back to my roots is a big thing for me as well, because most of my life I felt I need to like leave everything behind and try something new and experience experience and uh, be happy <laughs> and uh, I was looking for happiness in other places and when I didn't find it I want to move again and move forward and now I'm being an adult or I'm becoming one uh, <laughs> I I feel like I need to value more this part of my life that were always and are always there for me, my family and, and my, my Hungarian network. 
yeah, it, it's a really big journey because as I'm experiencing, there is this discrimination as well towards Eastern Europeans. And, and thinking back, I can see I was also ashamed of my identity as someone from Eastern Europe and someone from Hungary in Austria. I had this also these inner beliefs that they would shame me for it, but also there was some bad experiences as well. So I'm I'm getting rid of them right now. And I don't think it would have happened if I stayed in Hungary. Um if you if you wanted to, and it's perfectly fine to say no. Would you like to speak a bit more about what issues you experienced or experience as an Eastern European uh, woman in Austria? And maybe could you sort of pinpoint how your experience was uh, different uh, in Poland? I mean, why did you feel so much more welcome? Uh, was it just this sort of regional kinship or did something else uh, play a part as well? What do you what do you think was the was the reason for it? Yeah, it's hard to catch that in words, but but I think there are some like stereotypes about Eastern Europeans in the West uh, that are present. And what I experienced really a lot is that the other people were instantly starting to talk about Orban when I mentioned I am from Hungary and it felt so bad. Like I felt like I need to clarify that I am so far away from that person <laughs> as someone can be. And I didn't want to talk about Orban all the time when I was talking to uh, foreign people. Yeah, another experience I often had, and maybe it's not, I, I don't think it's connected to Eastern Europeanness, but uh, when someone hears my accent, sometimes they start to talk about talk in English, although I can express myself, I think, perfectly fine. And it's really like annoying for me because then I, I always answer in German and say, yeah, I can speak in German too, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's sometimes really annoying and unpleasant. Another thing which I experienced and not with my own eyes, basically, because uh, I am working as a social worker at a counseling center for sex workers. And uh, like 99% of, no, no, that's not true, but 60% uh, of the sex workers are from Eastern Europe who are coming to us. And uh, because we are a counseling center who comes to us or some, is somehow in a dif difficult situation, either financially or in another way. And their stories are really shedding a light on the discrimination and uh, some unconscious or conscious bias towards Eastern European women and uh, Romani women. Yeah, like not being taken seriously uh, being tagged down upon and just not granting a life to another human what you would wish for yourself. So it's it's really eye-opening. And I realize how 
lucky I am for my background and uh, for my language skills as well, although I had difficulties, but not that intensely. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, despite how horrifying it is, I'm really glad that an organization like yours exists and that they have all of you who speak, you know, the local regional languages and are actually able to help these women to to understand them because I can imagine that this put your own experience into a completely completely different perspective to see it from their lens and even if your situation was a lot luckier and a lot better at the same time you really see all the negatives you know that are connected to being in the country being an immigrant and especially a female immigrant in the country sort of through the experience of uh, of these other women so yeah i can i can imagine that maybe one more thing that you mentioned already in your previous answers that caught my attention was the whole fact of how grateful those of us who study or live abroad uh, usually feel towards the host country and uh, for the opportunities that we are given etc I suppose this uh, sort of gratefulness might also be stemming from the historical experience of closed borders in the region, right? So we really feel like we need to make the most out of being able to go away, to travel, to build a new life for ourselves, to try everything out. There is, I guess, some kind of FOMO, um, if you will, connected to it as well, that uh, maybe you would be missing out on uh, something important if you if you didn't do this. But at the same time, this might make many of us feel ashamed, you know, whenever we feel homesick or when we feel like the time has come to potentially return. And I think it's actually really important to be able to admit to oneself that maybe there is this magnetism now uh, for you to come back or like at some future point um, that now you want to actually make use of this entire experience of living abroad and sort of build something for and in the place that you uh, come from. Which brings me to my last question, I guess. Um, we already touched on it already, but could you tell us what are your plans, you know, for the immediate future or sort of the longer distance future? What would you wish uh, perhaps to change about your current situation to make yourself feel more welcome and uh, more at home, wherever that might be in the world, uh, not necessarily just Austria? Um, yeah, so as I have been mentioning for the whole of the podcast, uh, I'm planning to move back at some point. Right now, I, I just started with the master's program, gender studies, so I would definitely finish that. And uh, also, I am really happy at my workplace as well, so it really gives me so much I cannot really uh, explain in words. So, yeah, my plans are that I am learning more and I'm just, I'm just being open to like these new experiences when I, I can get rid of these like socialized norms in myself. And it's really exciting. Like every day I, I'm learning something new and it's really great. Like not only at the university, but for from the women I, I am talking to at my work and from other lazy women as well. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm hoping that I can 
make use of it in my home country. My uh, concrete plans are not moving back to the rural area, but to Budapest for now. Uh, unfortunately, Hungary is really like capital centered. Not ma many things are happening at the countryside, but uh, at the same time, I'm I'm really open to build something there as well. A funny thing happened in during the holidays. Like I think it's it's a bit connected to this topic. I spent my uh, Sylvester at home uh, with my boyfriend, and I just come to the idea that maybe we could visit the pubs in my village during this night and just support the local businesses, you know. It was so sad to see that most of the places were closed or just like super few people were there, like family members or just close friends. Uh, because as I can remember, like five, 10 years ago, there were like happenings during this night in all the pubs. And uh, now it, it's really still and and uh, silent so yeah maybe someday i will just make something <laughs> in my home village as well because it felt so great when i when we finally found the pub which was open and they were so kind and they were bringing us food as well to make us stay so i can see how dependent are the people there of other people and I really think it's important not to leave that behind, but be there for each other and our communities. That's a really beautiful thing to end on. Um, just this whole dream, you know, of reviving your local culture and trying to do as much as possible to give back. So thank you so much, uh, Darina, for this entire conversation. If there's uh, anything else you would like to discuss that we did not manage, you know, to cover, now is the time. If not, uh, yeah, thanks a lot again uh, for this conversation. I think it was uh, really lovely and extremely illuminating for our listeners as well. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And now... I would like to give a word to Laura to hear her reflection as a local Viennese to see if there are any similarities or if she can resonate with anything that Dorina was saying. Thank you very much, Laura, for accepting to be in our podcast. It's really lovely to have you here. So, hello everyone. My name is Laura. I'm 29 years old. I'm from Vienna. I grew up here. My mom is Italian. My dad is half Australian, half Austrian. So I come from quite a multicultural background and a multicultural family. And I work as a political advisor for a local politician here in Vienna. I actually did a little bit of procrastination the last few days because I really had to think about what Dorina said and her experience. And I felt that she was very vulnerable in 
talking about her experience and I felt a bit of responsibility somehow to find the right words on what to say about her experience. Actually, what Dorina said about not really feeling at home in Vienna or in Austria in general, even though she's been living here for quite a while, is something that didn't surprise me much as I grew up in a family whose members are immigrants, like some of my family members migrated to Austria and also some of my friends. And it's actually something I've heard many, many times from many immigrants who came to Vienna that it's quite a difficult city to make friends in and that people here often make it make you feel like you don't belong in a lot of different ways. So actually what I only realized in thinking about what to say during this podcast is that I actually struggle a bit with my Austrian identity. So when I'm abroad, I say I'm from Vienna, I'm Austrian, but I guess it also has to do with the fact that I'm a descendant of Holocaust survivors. And I guess in our family, there was always a very mixed relationship, I would say, with Austria. And I guess that somehow, although I'm from the third generation, still is something that I have inside of me, although I grew up here and nobody ever made me feel like I don't belong, but I still, there's a tiny space in myself that also always has this outsider perspective on the country. So I actually mostly feel Viennese. I really feel at home in my city. And I guess it's also a very multicultural city. And I feel like a lot of people here have similar family history than I have. And that somehow makes me feel like I belong. And just the fact that I went to school here, I have my friends here, I have some family here, so that makes me feel at home, I guess. One part that really resonated with me from Dorina's recording was the feeling she had that she wanted to live close to the people who are closest to her, whether it's family or friends. I really understand that. This is why I, except for some shorter periods of time, I never really left Vienna because I really appreciate the fact and also realize it's a huge privilege to be able to live somewhere where your loved ones live. And at the same time, I find it really unfair and makes me angry that, yeah, not only in Hungary, but in also many other countries, the political situation forces young people to leave that and, and to leave the place somehow they belong to. So that really, yeah, it's something I had to think of and something where I really understood what she meant. Probably 
as I've grown up with people who are immigrants and somehow don't really know where their home is, I grew up with this awareness that you're really lucky if you can live in a place you call home and somehow be surrounded with people who have known you a really long time. So I think now is a good time for a disclaimer. I grew up very privileged and this is why my family also had the financial means so I could have an exchange year when I was in high school in Canada. And I'm telling you this because actually my semester in Canada was the first time I was outside of Europe and also the first time I felt really European, being in contact with people from all over the world and really feeling like in some things, even in little things, feeling very European when it comes to things like public transport, speaking different languages, visiting other countries, things like that maybe just the little things but at the same time i'm also a city girl so i grew up in the capital city so it's probably my experience is probably one of somebody in europe growing up in the capital city in europe and i feel like that's something that dogina said that it's really like this rural area and like city divide is pretty big i guess nearly everywhere in the world and it's something i guess that also has a lot of influence on your identity and your sense of belonging so if i had to define myself then within europe i would say i'm like central european and southern european i would say southern european because of my Italian roots and just a different view on life, I guess, um, that comes from the South. And Central European, I think maybe because of the fact that we're a small country, our geography, our closeness to other small countries like Hungary or Slovakia or the Czech Republic and this exchange that exists that I guess it's different if you live in Spain or in France, for instance. So when it comes um, to whether I feel Western European or not, I definitely feel Western when we talk about the, the privileges that come with it. So I'm well aware that it's a privilege to grow up in a country where the economical situation is and has been very good and very stable where political systems has been very stable and there's just some maybe that our gaze is also still seen as the norm so let's say western european countries are seen as being europe as opposed to maybe countries from eastern europe or from Southern Europe or Southeastern Europe, let's say. So I actually work for a politician who's also an immigrant. 
and we do a lot of anti-racism work and try to promote diversity, especially through our communications and our public relations. However, I realized also while listening to Dorina's recording that somehow when it comes to diversity, there's certainly a lack of this so-called Eastern European perspective. And especially because in Austria now, we are struggling with very right-wing, extreme right-wing politics. And we really fear that what will happen in this year's elections. I somehow also realized that there's very little contact between feminist movements here in Austria and feminist movements, let's say, in Hungary, that there are very little, there's not much dialogue and exchange, at least from my impression. And somehow also not that much solidarity. I guess we tend to look more towards the US or other countries, but we don't really know what's going on with our neighbors. And I feel like that has a lot to do with somehow a language barrier or a cultural barrier, not so much in the fact that um, about speaking English, but more this thing that in Austria, we don't really speak the languages of our neighbors. So I don't even know one word of Hungarian, whereas there are a lot of Hungarians who will speak German and this has to do with history and power dynamics and feelings of superiority and I just feel like there's a lot of common ground and there's a lot of shared history as well and that it's somehow a big loss that there's not that much closeness somehow. Now I will generalize a lot, but I feel like Austrians feel close to Eastern Europe. And I feel like maybe other Western countries would exoticize Eastern countries more. And for us, it's more close and somehow familiar. But somehow there's also a very superficial relationship because I feel like in school, we're not really taught the history or the, I, we don't really know much, or at least I don't really know much about culture, literature. And I think it's all about this power and cultural gap and these hierarchies that exist still in our heads about, you know, the so-called East and the so-called West. I hope this makes sense. So basically, I feel like Dorina's perspective is a perspective that in Austrian media or in Austrian social media or in German-speaking social media, you don't hear much of them. So this is why I also really appreciate the fact that I could listen to this recording and that I um, also have the honor to reply to it now.
funded by the European Union. Views and opinions expressed are however those of the authors only and do not necessarily reflect those of the European Union or the Directorate General of Communications Networks, Content and Technology. Neither the European Union nor the granting authority can be held responsible for them.